You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. Nada, we've got a good weekend to talk about. Yes, how about, we do. How about all the fun that the Charlotte Hornets and all of us Hornets fans had this weekend watching the success come to this franchise and perhaps not even just in the micro, but in the macro when you look at the Charlotte Hornets having a potential superstar and him actually getting warranted and deserved national attention for some of the things that he achieved over this weekend. When we got to see the Hornets play in prime time on Friday night, we were both worried. I thought you brought up a really good point that I really didn't consider when going into that game against the Pelicans. The fact that while everybody is excited, and I was really excited too, you could also have the flip side of that where the Charlotte Hornets, they get a primetime game. There's some things to actually pay attention to, but do they bleep the bed on a primetime game again, which then eventually the Hornets become the butt of a joke once more. I, and, and not a, you're on those DMs with the Locked yeah. On Podcast Network. How many times have we seen the Hornets catch strays Ooh, out of nowhere buddy. to talk about the insignificance of some of these franchises? And it's not like we have a ton of evidence to go to and use as ammo in our arsenal, right? Like, we we hear it, and I, I don't want the Hornets to be, as a fan, you don't want the Hornets to be the butt of the joke anymore, and it could have just put a microscope on them once again. It doesn't matter if they have LaMelo. doesn't matter if they have all these other guys. The Hornets are still the same old Hornets, and then in the first quarter, they come out and have a 16-point deficit that they have to overcome. Here's the thing. They did. They won every single other quarter the rest of the way, and the Charlotte Hornets come back to beat the New Orleans Pelicans in prime time on the road against another exciting young basketball team. They follow that up against the Atlanta Hawks with a triple-double from LaMelo Ball where it's a bona fide triple-double too, man. You're talking about over 20 points. You're talking about over 10. Um, oh, you're talking about over 10 assists and rebounds for him. Only one turnover. Shooting percentage was also very good. It was an impressive triple double for Lamelo, who unquestionably had his best game this season. Great weekend for the Charlotte Hornets, and the national audience actually got to see some of the positives that the Hornets are experiencing right now. I'm glad you brought up the fact that we did, that I was glad that the Hornets did not embarrass themselves. In fact, they showed pretty well for themselves. They managed to make New Orleans a team that I said on this podcast had more lottery talent. They managed to make them look bad. And you know what? That was awesome to see. That was awesome to see just LaMelo fully actualized, fully realized, at least for a rookie, where he's going to the basket. He's making things easy. He's just affecting the game without having to score. And then he does it. He scores a 20-point, or as I would like to call it, the Westbrook triple-double, where it's that 20, 10, and 10. Like, Except actually efficient this time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He's doing it within the flow of the offense. Like There were moments on, uh, on Saturday night where he's taking 
Trey Young to the bucket, finishing over him and going back and just like the the last sequence where he gets his is a bucket and then fit, uh, passes to PJ to get his tenth assist. Like those were the things that we were kind of promised with this guy. That was the kind of stuff that if you listen to this podcast and if you looked listen to Locked On uh, with again with the draft with Chad Ford on this network, this is some of the stuff that when people were saying, "Yo." LaMelo Ball's the best player in this draft. This is what we were trying to tell you. And I'm I'm really awesome to see it actualized. It's 10 games, but the fact that you have probably the rookie of the 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 what you would probably call the odds on a rookie of the year favorite. Yo, this is really awesome to see right now. No, it, it, it's so much fun because we haven't had this in Charlotte. And you had been making the right steps with Mitch Kupchak as the general manager and the players that he's drafted so far in the first round. So when you're talking about the Charlotte Hornets, usually selecting in that 11 or 12 overall range, Mitch Kupchak with Miles Bridges, he seems to be playing a lot better. And we're going to talk about him in the second segment, the way that he played against New Orleans. He was the best Charlotte Hornet in that game. And so you're starting to see Miles Bridges play better this year than he did last year. PJ was maybe the best Hornet when you're talking about who played against the Atlanta Hawks. He was great and had six blocks in that one. We'll continue to talk about that as the show goes on. But first round picks, under Mitch Kupchak, they're working out. You're getting some nice pieces here and there. And then you reward him with a third overall pick, or at least the lottery gods reward Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets with a third overall pick. And it's something you got to capitalize on. We discussed when there is a third overall pick in your organization, you've got to hit on it or you are going to catch criticism as it goes on. Even with the perceived weak draft, the night that we actually did get the selection process taking place. And sure enough, LaMelo looks like this guy that is rapidly improving, rapidly somebody that is gaining a ton of, of basketball knowledge as, it, as the season goes on right from the get-go. And then you see him have his best game against the Atlanta Hawks where everything looks completely comfortable defensively. LaMelo is, is seeming to understand the game at, at a more rapid rate and, and starting to understand quite a bit of things. I, you can't say enough about him, and I don't know if we've mentioned the, the official stat, but he was the youngest player in NBA history to get a triple-double in this game against the Atlanta Hawks. And again, he almost did it against the Pelicans the night before. He was just one assist shy. <laughs> Tried to get it, it seemed like. Bismack Biombo apparently got frustrated <laughs> and yes. then pushed him when LaMelo was excited. Biz addressed that today, by the way, and said, yeah, we, we laughed about it. Me and LaMelo laughed about it. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but LaMelo was one assist shy from getting that triple double the night before the fact that we have somebody as fun as he is man but he he's been so good ever since that debut where we went scoreless I mean it, it's it, it has given you hope from a Charlotte Hornets um as a Charlotte Hornets fan that I don't know if you've had in a long time I mean Rick Pennell's not off base nada when he puts in the Charlotte Observer this is the rookie with the most talent that we've seen as a parent as soon as it's shown since Larry Johnson. Because we didn't yeah. get this with Kemba the first even couple of seasons. No, it wasn't until yeah. year three that we got this with Kemba. That's the crazy part. Like, LaMelo's giving the, us this 10 games into a pandemic season. The, imagine what this kid could be with a proper training camp. That's what should excite everybody. 
and the shot's been there. He's scoring, which again, I was worried about. Like, there's no doubt. I, I was worried. The form still isn't great. It, a 10-game shooting sample doesn't mean that'll be the best in the world. But man, you know, that shooting has, he's knocked shots down from the perimeter. And he's actually finished a few here and there when he gets to the bucket. Still needs to put on weight, but the NBA does an excellent job of putting weight on players when they enter the league. So what we'll see, man, I I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with LaMelo but the fact that he's shown this already it's extremely exciting for what's in store in the future we'll continue to talk about the weekend uh, mention some of the other players that played so well this past weekend I do want to talk about Built Bar first though because Built Bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever they have an improved even more delicious six new flavors that they've had in store for quite some time now caramel brownie cookies and cream and of course cherry barcia they're covered in 100% chocolate they're soft and they're easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious guy 19 grams of protein 18 grams of protein 17 grams of protein and a bunch of the different flavors so you're getting plenty of that protein and plus you get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off your next order use promo code locked on for 20 percent off at BuiltBar.com. We'll talk about P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, the rest of the Charlotte Hornets in the weekend that they had coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like, it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there, and then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it's just, it'll, it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Now let's talk about the record and then kind of look at everybody else's weekend that they had. Hornets are 5-5. Five and five. They're on a three-game winning streak after having an up-and-down very early start to the season. They lose two games at the beginning of the year that everyone expected them to win, and then they bounce back in a very Charlotte Hornets way, winning some teams, nobody, uh, winning against some teams that nobody expected them to do so against. Remember, this is a win against Brooklyn that had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving off of a 2-0 start when they looked like the best offensive team in the league. And then it's the Charlotte Hornets. They get that dub with the help of a couple of Terry Rozier free throws late. Then they destroy the Dallas Mavericks that next game. Then they come back and they lose, I believe, a couple in a row, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah, three in a row. Win two, it's lose two, win two, lose three, yep. then win three. <laughs> this is a very, very, very streaky team. On both sides of the ledger. Now, granted, two of those losses were two in a row to Philly, who looks like, and mind you, a healthy Philly, which looks like the best team in the East when they play with more than eight guys on their roster. <laughs> yes, when when the entire team is not a part of the COVID-19 protocol, then that is among the best teams in the NBA. And you're right to bring that up. Very good team that the Charlotte Hornets lost to against the Philadelphia 76ers. But here they are having won three games in a row. They didn't 
come out with an awful effort against Atlanta after having the exciting primetime win against the New Orleans Pelicans. And so now they're five and five. I guess my question to you, Nada, is here they are at five and five. You mentioned the losses that they had in that three game losing streak coming to Philadelphia, understandably so. Here they are with three games, one in a row. They have a game tonight against the New York Knicks and certainly a winnable game despite the Knicks playing five and five basketball so far. Should we change our expectations about this team based on what we've seen through the first 10 games? No. Like, if your expectation was playoffs, then you were delusional enough. Again, keep that same energy. But if you're like me and you're just trying to enjoy the ride, like, there's nothing that if you're just trying to enjoy the ride, trying to have fun, trying to enjoy something, like, don't change your expectations off of a 5-5 five and five start in the beginning of a season that is woefully going to be inconsistent because of the factors that we have in this country right now. So don't change your expectations. Have fun with this. Because the minute you start putting expectations on it is the minute that everyone's going to start ruining themselves with expectations and ruining the season. And I don't need y'all up and down my timeline because I will block you. I will block you. Y'all, there are enough of y'all that were <laughs> counting about, no, like quite honestly, Walker, this is the thing. Like there were enough people that were like bemoaning the fact that somehow Borrego managed to screw LaMelo Ball out of a triple-double on Saturday because LaMelo Ball was slow to get to the scorer's table, which is a consistent habit of his. And everyone was blaming him. Everyone's blaming the coach. There's a lot of this that is ratcheting up way too soon for my taste. So what I'm telling you is if you want that 9-10 spot, yo, go ahead. Feel comfortable with it. But for me, yo, I'm going to enjoy this team for quite a while. And I'm going to enjoy the ups, the downs, the fact that certain guys are and are not getting rotation minutes, watching the growth, enjoying the fact that one of the twins put somebody on a poster Saturday night and we ain't talking enough about it. Yeah, that thing was insane. Caleb Martin. The thing is, Caleb tries to destroy people. He said in that interview after the game, any uh, media availability that he had, he said he's constantly looking for a body and he found one in this one. What an incredible dunk that Caleb Martin had. And in that game against the Atlanta Hawks, he finished um, actually scoring six of nine from the field, three of four from three-point land, and he had 15 points. So hit a few buckets. And in the 17 minutes that he played to come up with 15 points, this is also a team that he had a, a very good game against last year. Remember Atlanta at the end? I think it came in a loss, if I'm not mistaken, but Caleb still had a very good game when James Brago decided to go to the second rounders and the undrafted guys. So, um, yeah, Caleb with a with a nice game against Atlanta, scoring the basketball. And let's get to some of the other guys. It, finally, I mean, by far the best game of P.J. Washington's season happened in the second yeah. outing against the Atlanta Hawks. How about this stat line? In the 36 minutes that he played, he finished 7 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from beyond the arc, got to the foul line six times, made all six of his free throws, gave you seven rebounds. I thought gave you some good rebounds, too. Um, only one turnover, finished with 22 points, and perhaps the most surprising stat, we got six blocks from P.J. Washington, who legitimately did a good job, and sometimes blocks can be misleading, 
blocks aren't exactly the end-all be-all to tell you how good of a rim protector someone is or just how good of a defending uh, night they had. He was good defensively. And the fact that he showed you a good game on both ends of the floor, he was efficient. He looked decisive and and and, and able to take care of the basketball. I thought P.J. was awesome in this game, Nada. Really good to see him have his best game by far as a second-year guy. So, Walker, we figured out that it took two weeks for P.J. Washington to get in game shape. I think that was the biggest thing that we figured out about P.J. because I can't say anything anymore about this small lineup. The small lineup works, and the small lineup gets smaller because we saw a little bit of Gordon Hayward at the four in in this last little bit. I think it was primarily against New Orleans, but we saw a super micro B lineup, like, This is something that basically works if P.J. Washington is going to protect the rim, rebound, and be Mr. Do-Everything. And the fact that he's taking the ball to the bucket a lot harder. He's not getting ripped when he's making his moves to the bucket. He's taking the contact and finishing. This is the the P.J. Washington that James Bregel wanted all year. I'm not sure it's what he fully expects yet. We're not fully there yet, but the fact that we're actually moving towards progress to where this lineup may look like, hey, this can work. Yo, I I don't know what to say about this other than, okay, I see the vision, JB. You do what you're going to do. Yeah, just go ahead and lean into it. And that's one thing, Nada. If P.J. Washington, he's not going to get six blocks tonight. That's not going to even come close to happening. But the defensive rotations, the instincts that I think he started to show as the season progressed last year, if he continues to at least carry some ability to protect the rim – along with a Miles Bridges, who does a pretty good job at that. We see him come over from the weak side and swat some shots every now and then. And those are two strong dudes as your four and five, despite them being undersized at being and allowing that to be the small ball lineup. If a small ball lineup has Miles and PJ in it, and they both have the ability to protect the rim, and they both have the ability where at least Miles is showing better playmaking, PJ still working on it, I, that's lethal. And it doesn't give you really too many reasons as to why you play Bismack Biombo, who, yeah, he'll come in, give you seven rebounds. He played 21 minutes in this game against the Hawks, but we know how offensively challenged he is. I, if, if you can protect the rim with P.J. and Miles Bridges in there, that gives you an excellent element despite going small. Um, and, and if Miles will we'll, we'll just transition to that game that he had against New Orleans, I mean, a great game for Miles Bridges, yes. the, the third-year pro now, 8 of 11 from the field, 4 of 6 from the three-point line, hit a three late that was huge, 20 points for him, um, four rebounds and one assist, so not great in that category, but the guy was amazing. I think he was the best Charlotte Hornet in that game, along with the Gordon Hayward. Uh, it, it's good to see your first-round picks in Miles, PJ, and LaMelo all put together really, really strong performances in the two games they played this weekend. Look, Miles set the tone for the comeback, quite honestly, because he put the ball on a lot of people's heads, and he was just dunking on people. He was the spark that started the comeback. He was the guy. And that's something that you want, not necessarily from a bench guy, but from one of the guys that you want to envision as your next locker room leader. Because as much as we talk about leadership and everything else like that, there's not really been an open conversation about who the leader is on this team yet. At some point, 
it's going to be LaMelo Ball. But for right now, that locker room leader figures to be Miles Bridges. And, like, Bridges is putting together a season where it doesn't matter if he scores one point or if he scores 20. He's going to affect the floor on both sides no matter what he does. And for me, that is something that, like, he's the new barometer of whether I can talk with you about Hornets basketball. Because if he scores zero points and he locks somebody up or he slows something down, or if he gets five, 10 rebounds or a clutch rebound and a win, like, and you don't notice that, then I don't want to have conversations with you about Hornets basketball. But if you notice that, then yo, cool, you're fine. But he's the new barometer of whether you know what you're talking about when it comes to the Hornets is Miles Bridges right now. And that's probably the best compliment I can give a guy like that. All right, we'll get to some of the leftover takes on the Charlotte Hornets and the way that they played this weekend. But if you want to bet on the NFL games this weekend, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. It's your online sportsbook experts. The leftover takes on the Hornets coming up next. Final segment. This is Locked On Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League comma a euro step into a windmill during a game end of comma oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, <laughs> a radar. Me, of all nba yeah on the radar on the radar of <laughs> all nba fans as a nightly highlight producer yeah you're charlotte you're charlotte coming out there yeah i'm from come from uh Catawba county could so, put him on the radar it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets We'll podcast. give you a recap of the New York Knicks game coming up tomorrow on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Remember, we'll constantly keep you updated on all of the games that the Charlotte Hornets are playing. And plus, we'll keep you updated on any comments that come from Charlotte Hornets media availability, whether it's James Borrego talking with the media, LaMelo Ball, anybody that is speaking with the media. Um, remember, we will have you covered here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Now, I'll give some love to Terry Rozier once again. And it was something I was mentioning in the preseason with what Terry was doing. So we see him last year, the number one skill set that he brings, it's the catch and shoot. The guy was amazing in that regard. Who would have thought that he's significantly better served in an off ball role to where the guy's just lethal from the perimeter after never having shot better than 38% from three before. And that only happened one season, you know, certainly 38 was a better uh, was a better season than he ever uh, than, than his career percentage. I mean, Terry from the perimeter, I think the second and third games, it, it wasn't a great percentage, but you're seeing him now shoot 44, 43% from three on the year. You saw him get over 40% last year. Uh, this guy, Nada, is legitimately becoming one of the best shooters in all of the NBA. I, you're you're not saying he's Steph Curry. You're not saying he's Duncan Robinson. You're not saying anything like that. He, I'm not saying he's number one or maybe even top five. But nada. I the, the shooting numbers are pretty ridiculous at this point, and the overall field goal percentage is a lot better than what it's ever been for Terry. I think the shot selections are a lot better than they were last year. I think there are some times where I don't like the shot process. I I don't like the decision-making process and some pick and rolls that he might have run. But I will say, 
I think he is making better decisions than he did last year when putting the ball on the deck. He's scoring when putting the ball on the deck at a better rate, at least via the eye test, than he was last year. He's been very impressive, but man, it's that three-point shooting percentage, Nada. The dude is legitimately becoming one of the best shooters in all of the association. So can you join me now in saying that James Brago has gotten more out of Terry Rozier than the God coach up in Boston now? <laughs> can, can, can you join me? Join the chorus. Well, I, it's okay. I mean, it's sure. I, I remember we had this conversation. I felt like we kind of lucked into this when Devontae Graham was so good that you had to put Devontae Graham in, and it forced Terry Rozier to that role, and I think that's how James Brago decided it because I don't think this was something that James Brago decided, yep, this is the key to unlocking Terry until Devontae played better, and then we started to realize that as the season went on. But kudos to James Brago for sticking with it. I mean, and we, we or at least having some knowledge of that now. So yeah, I, I'm glad that Terry Rogier has found the best space for him to exist in the NBA because clearly being off ball, but maybe having some ball handling responsibilities here and there, again, the decision-making is getting better, but my God, not, I mean, the shot making, it's been very good from D. Yes, it has. And you just went facts, not feelings. And you completely ruined my joke. And you know, what? I'm mad. I, I, you know, what? I'm mad. I should I should just log off and we should I should just put together what we got right now and tell everybody, you know what? Go enjoy the Knicks game. But you but you had to go and just I understand you wanted to. Well, actually me as, as a joke, because I like to. Well, actually, everybody else. Yeah, you didn't have to do it there. I'm sorry. You could have left it alone. Man, look, I'm sorry. I tr I'm trying to give love to Terry. This is something you want, right? Like you want yes. people to give love to Terry Rozier, and that's what I'm trying to do. And then I sent it to you, and then you decided that you were going to get hurt by some of the things that I said. I didn't mean for this yes. conversation to go this way. I just thought we would have a uh, gushing fest over Terry Rozier, but I digress. No, no, we can no, no, but, go ahead. But No, but the thing is, in all actuality, Terry's been – at lar for large chunks of the season, if not the entire season, at minimum the second best player on this team. LaMelo's been more consistent in the facilitation role. I'll give him that. But when we, when we talk about scoring, a little bit of defense, doing the dirty things, going to get rebounds and everything else like that, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to not tell you that Terry Rozier has been the best player on this team. Gordon Hayward doesn't do it enough consistently for me, even though he's averaging almost 18, 19 a game. Well, who's number one for you if it's not if it's Terry being second? Because I would it, immediately go to Gordon. I, I like the the thing is I I vacillate between Gordon and Lamelo and Terry. Like it's one of those I hate to say it. It's I, it's not and it's not meant to be in any bad way. But it's a it's like a Lord of the Fly situation where one of one of them grabs the conch and decides to be the best player for in teal and purple that night. Like it's a three way tie sometimes. And for the most part, for my money, and I guess this is where I say no worse than the second player, because Terry for large mm -hmm. swaths of, of the season has been the best player in teal and purple this year. And I don't think I expected to say that at any point when he signed here or when he, again, or even this season, to where I could say, yo, that's the best player on this team. How about this stat for you? So since January 2nd, that was the first game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Since January 2nd, 
Terry Rogier has not shot below 40% from three, and that's on 7.2 attempts per game. So uh, even more than that, I'm sorry there. I actually included a game against the Grizzlies where we only shot three. So you're talking about basically trying to do quick math in my head about eight, nine attempts per game. The guy is shooting um, not once under 40% from deep. Incredible. I mean, the guy, especially with that opening game that he had against Cleveland where he shoots uh, 16 threes and shoots 62 and a half percent. It's it's crazy. It's that's that's the key. That's what Terry should be doing all year. And you thought maybe Devonte would also add to the lethal outside shooting this year, Nada. And now we go to the bad once again. And I don't want to do it, but we got to keep everybody updated on what's going on. And Devonte struggles once again. You see him in this Atlanta Hawks game, the second go around, the shooting not any better. He hits one field goal. We've seen quite a few games this season where he's only hit one field goal, one of six from the field, one of five from the three point line. I will say this the last couple of games he's actually gotten to the line which is a big problem for him he doesn't do it frequently and to see him do it the last couple of games that's a nice thing to see I think the offensive floor games have been better the last two outings than what we had seen in I don't know maybe the previous five um, outside of the Pelicans and the second Atlanta Hawks game but the shooting is still atrocious Uh, his field goal percentage is 26 percent on the year through 10 games it's only 30 percent from beyond the arc in the first 10 games uh you know it's it's Devontae continuing to struggle I, I don't want to have the lamello should he start conversation again I, I don't want to bore people and annoy people with that combo constantly but Devonte, it, it's still tough sledding for him shooting wise nada i don't see any way that unless there's a massive losing streak that Devonte loses loses a starting spot you know why because they're winning with what they're doing and one thing that coaches are creatures of habit, if they know what you can do, if they know what they're getting from their bench, from their starting unit, then they're going to continue doing what they do until they're forced to change. And until either Devante is fixes it or gets worse, he is going to be, we know what the rotation is going to be for right now, unfortunately. Devontae's just going to have to, you know how people take, again, say tweet through it, he's just going to have to shoot through this. And if not, and it gets worse, yo, then we're going to have a discussion. But until they lose a large swath of games, they're not making that change. James Borrego has said that over and over again. After pump faking, saying he was going to do some rotation changes where he really didn't. So I, I don't think... Again, barring a trade, I don't think they're doing anything with this rotation until they have to. And for right now, they don't have to. Well, yeah, I mean, they they won three games in a row. And I guess if you just want to look at the results and and look at outcome bias, then maybe you think this is what I'm doing. We've gotten three wins. I'm not going to change it. The rotation, by the way, it's only an eight-man rotation as far as I'm concerned. You don't count really Cody Martin, who only got five minutes in this game against the Hawks, got nine minutes against the Pelicans. Cody barely seeing any time whatsoever. It's Caleb who is the other guy off of the bench besides Miles Bridges and LaMelo, and Caleb gets you 17 minutes. It's really a seven-man rotation when you talk about who gets any run that has a chance to go over 20 minutes on any given night. Oh, it's only seven guys that can give you over 20 minutes. Caleb and Cody aren't going to do that. And Cody, again, barely gets any run. McDaniels has been sent to the bench, never to return. Malik Monk has been sent to the bench, never to return. Hey, Hornets are winning. Glad to see LaMelo Ball doing well. 
It doesn't mean I agree with McDaniels or Malik Monk not getting any run. I hope that does change, but I'm with you. I doubt James Brego really does it if they continue to win. I, I, I think the starting lineup, if Devontae continues to shoot like this at some point, it has to serve as a catalyst to get LaMelo Ball in the starting lineup, but maybe the outcome completely changes that even if Devonte is giving you one field goal games every you know two or three outings and you're still winning perhaps you don't change it so we'll see um but that's what the james, what that's what james rago has decided to do with this team and the hornets are looking good at least right now real quickly did want to update um everyone on the g league draft because the greensboro swarm they had the number one overall pick they take Admiral Schofield out of Tennessee, drafted by the Washington Wizards, and uh, got a decent amount of run with the Wizards organization. And so I know producer Katie is going to like that, a fan of Tennessee. I know Doug watched some college basketball of ten- and watching Tennessee. So now Admiral Schofield, who I liked watching in college, um, he's a member of the Greensboro Swarm. We'll see if that actually turns out to be anything. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to recap that game against the New York Knicks.